The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Daniel Kabisha is the Sub-Saharan Africa economist at RMB. And you're looking at inflation outlooks, particularly for Zambia, Mozambique and Namibia. Why are those three worrying you, Daniel? It's been quite interesting, Bruce, um, over the last, at least the last few months in 2020. Um, we had a call and I remember that at the time we spoke about the potential for having this reflationary pressure building up because we've seen some of our supply chains being disrupted and some of our producers being forced to hike up prices because of this. And it's taken quite some time for this to pretty much permeate into the various baskets in these markets. But we're starting to see that happen. Now, it's not happening across the board, but there are two indicators that are starting to tell me that prices will start picking up through 2021, specifically emanating potentially from food in in some of our jurisdictions. I think of places like Mozambique that are in fact struggling with food shortages right now because of distribution challenges that they've had. And and this could be a a particular problem. And then secondly, also transport inflation. Now we've gone through a period um, last year where as you're well aware, all prices declined to a great extent, and we had most of our regulators pretty much try and offer some form of relief to the consumers. What concerns us is that in 2021, they're going to start pushing up some of these prices. Now, for those who are already in South Africa, we've experienced that. We know that this trend has already started. And so transport inflation in these markets will be a second indicator for us um, which is not great, Bruce, as you're well aware, because sure. from a demand perspective, consumers aren't necessarily spending more. Um, they're not going out and having massive shopping sprees, but rather it's the supply pressures that's impacting their basket, which is something that we need to start talking about a little bit more regularly. I mean, is South Africa's inflation outlook instrumental or important for the outlooks of Zambia, Mozambique, and Namibia and other, other side of countries too? I think what we, we're starting to see is that there's a big integration across the region um, on two factors. I wouldn't necessarily purely say that South Africa is the main protagonist for, for what we're seeing. It is a big impact for environments like, like Namibia and Zambia, which to a great extent have been importing the base of their, I would say, quasi-agricultural products or products which immediately translate into the food basket that 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 would be a direct linkage but i think what's even bigger is to think about you know the type of rainfall we've had across the region and the hope and prayer that that then can translate to lower food prices potentially in sa in zambia which then means lower inflation across the region now if you think about these markets mozambique is importing anything between 30 to 40 percent from sa namibia is as high as 50 percent zambia is significantly lower but i think the the problem they're facing is that the bulk of their inputs to their larger value chains do come from SA. So to in a very long-winded way, I guess, to answer your question, there, there is definitely linkages. I think what I'm just trying to allude to is that sometimes there's a bit of a lag to what we're seeing. So in, in SA's instance, if we start seeing inflation starting to pick up, let's not necessarily say you'll see the exact same thing in the same month across the region, but there'll likely be one or two months that can tell us that some pressure is starting to build in the system. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly looking forward to a decent maize harvest this year. Um, The rainfall has been spectacular and decent rain harvests uh, invariably um, help 
to reduce the price of maize. But maize is a global commodity. Um, and prices are set internationally. And so, you know, yeah. it does depend on the world being food secure for us to enjoy food security here, regardless of how good our crop is, because we don't make the price for the stuff anymore. Well, that's that's the one thing. Second thing is we, we keep forgetting that um, a lot of our farmers have had the bulk of their distribution networks completely usurped. And these networks that existed pre-COVID, you know, the hope and prayer is that we can start having that same level of activity rebound perfectly and so that we can have some of this connectivity continue. And a lot of our indicators are telling us that as much as activity has bounced back, we're still not there. Um, just a few examples that you can think of. I mean, during December, we already saw movement of traffic from SA to the rest of the region just being completely disastrous, given the fact that a lot of our border posts were still quite closed or they couldn't take as much traffic. Now, if you think about from a goods perspective, that those would be some of the issues that they're facing. So you can have a bumper harvest season, but by the time it hits the consumer, um, there will probably be a few margins that have been slapped on, which then makes it a little bit more expensive. So not everyone is fortunate enough to drive around the corner and get directly from source, as you're well aware. Um, and so I think these will do some of the few dynamics then going into 2021 that we need to be cognizant of. You actually just made me think about something else that's also quite interesting. On top of that, you know, we're talking about a continental free trade agreement, which needs to kick off. And, you know, the hope and prayer is that we build up better interconnectivity. And if that, when that happens, you know, some of these challenges that we, we tend to see from a pricing perspective should naturally be abated because the plan of the free trade agreement is to reduce up to 70% of some of our import traffic, uh, import tariffs that we've seen. And I think this is a move in the right direction. Uh, but Bruce, we're not yet there, but at least no. we're starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I mean, and uh, COVID has, has, has really affected the uh, rollout of the free trade agreement and it's, it's going to yeah. make make it much slower than, you know, with, than we might have hoped for. But yeah, it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. Um, we, we saw Zambia default last year. We see now Kenya. Yeah. A report on Bloomberg saying that the Kenyan government is looking for debt relief from the Chinese. Now, um, is, is Kenya in trouble? I think the the better way of asking this question is, you know, amongst our economies across the continent, who is facing a situation where they are honest enough to raise their hand and say that some form of support is needed in terms of managing their fiscal status. And Kenya, I think where they are in the cycle, coming through several years where they've been expanding um, expenditure through their economy, building up quite a bit of debt, are facing an environment now where they need to try and get back into a path of sustainability in two to three years' time, while at the same time stimulating an economy that has been aggressively affected by the pandemic. Kenya is but one of them. You know, we saw a similar approach was taken by Zambia. Zambia's case is a little bit more extreme, given that the economy simply, not only were they taking on debt, but the economy was barely growing by about 1% to 2%, and they had a horde of issues related to that. But, I mean, Mozambique went to pretty much similar, the same type of engagements last year. You know, they've been trying to just claw back coming out of a few years ago where they defaulted on a euro bond and now we're facing some of these catastrophic um, fiscal needs that they need to address relatively quickly. And Kenya has been hit 
with several issues. Um, you've got trade that has been impact, significant impact on transport. We're looking at the fact that last year their crop production was slightly bumper, but not to the extent in which they hoped. Plus, you've already been borrowing, like I mentioned earlier, because you're planning to grow at exorbitant rates of maybe 5 to 7% based on, on, on set infrastructure plans that government had. And so I think now the approach has pretty bit, much been we're going to get some debt relief with the hope and prayer that at some point they can get into a, a longer funded program with the IMF that puts them back on that pace of sustainability. And they've got a few countries that they can use as a benchmark. Ghana and Egypt both exited IMF programs and entering this crisis, they actually had a better footing. Um, so I think it's just the, the other side of the coin that a lot of our economies do need to consider, a lot of our governments, that getting your fiscal story right can actually bode better for you in an event of a massive crisis like the one we had now. Thank you, Daniel Kavisha, this evening, The Economist for Sub-Saharan Africa at RMB.